0: Well, this morning, I want to preach to you on send help. Look at three people and tell them, send help. help. All right, praise God. We're looking at the Word of God, and last week I spoke a little bit about, I said, is that you, God? How many of you, when you're praying, you're trying to hear voices and you're trying to hear from God and you don't know if it's God or if it's you you don't know if it's the budgie or if it's the cat or if it's the dog or if it's the next door neighbor and you're praying is that you God and we spoke about last week how how that God is number one he's real he's alive do you know that you serve a God who is alive hallelujah that should cause you to jump up and down I don't serve an idol We didn't make this God out of wood or gold. We don't have a 30-foot gold statue that we worship that has ears but can't hear and eyes but cannot see and a mouth but cannot speak. So we said last week that my God is alive. Hallelujah. He is the God of the living and not the God of the dead. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is the God of Pastor Fred Roberts and he is the God of your name, whatever your name is. Can you say amen? Amen. And then last week we said not only is God alive, but we said that he is a speaking God. Huh? He's a speaking God. And that he is rich in speech. Look at somebody and tell them, my God is rich in speech. Hallelujah. What does that mean? That means he always wants to talk to you. And we said, thirdly, number three, that he is speaking still today. God is not silent. We're not in some the dark ages of God's timetable. God is speaking. Hallelujah. Jesus died on a cross, reconciled us back to the Father so that you and I could hear him, commune with him, have fellowship with him, that what Adam had in the garden, you and I can and ought to have right now. Can you say amen? Look at somebody and tell them, I ain't waiting for heaven to get intimate with God. That's right. You can be intimate with God right now. You can hear from God right now. The same thing that Adam had in the Garden of Eden. You can have it right there in Phoenix. You can have it right there in Hillcrest. You can have it in the overflow. You can have it right here. You can take that same encounter, that same experience, and you could take it down into your neighborhood, into your workplace while you are in the taxi and the music is. You can be intimate with God. The speakers are pounding. You can be intimate with God. You can close yourself from all of that and you can have an intimate time with God. Can you say amen? Amen. Lift your hands and say, my God is real. He is alive. He is a speaking God. He is rich in, in speech and he wants to talk to me right now. Hallelujah. Praise God. Give the Lord a praise offering if you believe that. You know the... Basic difference between Christianity and religions. I don't like, first of all, categorizing Christianity as a religion because it's not. It's not. Christianity is a relationship. But if you would compare it to the other religions, the major difference about the Jesus that we serve is that it goes beyond a simple code of ethics. A simple list of do's and don'ts and all of that It's more than that. What's different about this Jesus that we serve is that we can experience him. Hallelujah. How many of you experienced his warmth, his love, his grace, his goodness this morning? Hallelujah. That's the reason why we say every Sunday is going to be an epic Sunday. When you come, when you wake up on a Sunday morning, the first word that you should have in your mind is epic. This is going to be another epic moment. We're going to have an epic time. Hallelujah. The E for epic is an encounter with God, an experience with God, an intimacy with God, a time of fellowshipping with my God. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? And we get to experience God's Holy Spirit on the inside of us, bearing witness with our spirits that we are sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell you right there in Phoenix and Hillcrest, the overflow, up in the balcony, it is a love relationship with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. And we get to encounter Him through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of you? Amen. And then when it comes to the Bible, hallelujah, hallelujah, I want you, if you got your Bibles, would you lift your Bibles? If it's on your phone, lift your phone. If it's on your iPad, lift your iPad. If it's in your heart, then stand up, you know. But lift the Word up right now. This is not just the Bible. This is not just a book of facts. This is a book more than facts. Can you say amen? Amen. You can put your Bibles down this morning. You can read the Bible, and all it would be is just simple facts. And that's okay. You can learn a lot about things about God and even learn that God loves you. But because love is of the heart, you will never experience the love until it touches the heart. Hallelujah. We don't read this book like a lifeless book. Can you get Hebrews 4 and verse 12? I want to read this in the New King James Version and then I'm going to read it in the Amplified Version. But in the New King James Version, it says, For the Word of God is living and powerful. I thought Lucinda Dooley was going to preach my sermon right there. She stole it from me. But anyways, Hebrews 4 and 12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Hallelujah. This book is alive this morning. In fact, if you... Look carefully, it's, it's moving. It's moving, it's alive. Hallelujah. This book is alive. In the Amplified, it says it like this, for the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In other words, God takes his word and quickens it to our hearts and when his word is quickened To our hearts, we receive insight and we receive revelation. And suddenly, what was once just a fact or a word or the logos now becomes a rhema, something that is quickened to our spirits and something that carries meaning and significance and revelation to us. Can you say amen? Amen. Logos is important. When I read the Bible, you know, uh, it's important. The Logos is important. Why? Because the Logos gives me an absolute standard against which I can measure all truth. And the Logos is important because it is my safeguard to keep me from error and it is my instruction manual for life. Lift your hands and say, Logos is important, but Rhema is more important. So, in other words, I could read the Logos of God's Word and read Genesis 1-1. And it says there, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And that would be like a fact. That, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's a simple fact. But as I ponder on that verse and I allow the Logos to become flesh and blood on the inside of me, I begin to say, in the beginning, God. Hallelujah. And suddenly I begin to see that everything begins and ends with God. Hallelujah. When you take the scriptures and you begin to swirl it in your mind and, and, and just begin to meditate on it, something comes out of the scripture. I might look at the logos and take the word created and look up the Hebrew word and find that it means bara, which means to create. It means to produce. It means to design. It means to produce through imaginative skills. In other words, when God created the heavens and the earth, he used his imagination. It also means to cut by carving. In other words, God cut by carving the heavens and the earth. Never, never done before a brand new once in a million things that How many of you are hearing what I'm saying? In other words, it was something that was created by God out of his imaginative skills. But as I take that scripture, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Suddenly, something comes alive on the inside of me. What's happened? Logos has become rhema in me. Can you say amen? And one of the things that I want to talk about this morning is is how we meditate in God's word. Because meditation is basically God's way of sending help to you. Do you know that? I do believe that sometimes when we talk about meditation, immediately we think about somebody that's sitting with their legs in a pretzel condition and got their fingers out. Um, you know, that's the kind of image that we think of when we think about meditation. But let me tell you that meditation actually originated in the Bible. And I'm going to show you this morning that meditation and the right way and the wrong way of meditation is absolutely phenomenal. Now let me just say that every thought that comes to you is not of God. How many of you know that? Not every thought that comes to you is of God. That's why the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, costing down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So most of the thoughts that come to us, family, come from the spirit world, whether they are good or bad. Where do they come from? The spirit realm, all right? Whether good or bad. And so it's important that there's three areas. Either a thought comes from me, it's my thought, or the thought comes from the Holy Spirit who resides in me. Or number three, the thought comes from an evil spirit who wants to basically impress his idea upon me that's why reading the bible is very important would you lift your bibles this morning this is god's way of sending you help hello sometimes we want to call the pastor and we want to call the next door neighbor and everybody and all of that and i believe in praying for people but this is how god sends his help he sent his word hallelujah hallelujah So Romans 12 and verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that which is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so how does this renewing come? Ephesians 5 and 26 says, That he might sanctify and cleanse her, talking about the bride of Christ, with the washing of water by the word. When the word comes, the mind is washed. How many of you can see that? Now, if you look at these two vases, this uh, this represents the word of God. This represents our minds. And the fact that that color is a little discolored means that not all of our thoughts are pure. How many of you know that thoughts come and go? All right, that's. I mean, we are living in a very real spirit world. Sometimes there's doubtful thoughts that come. Sometimes there are thoughts of uh, anger and hatred, resentment, bitterness, negativity, unbelief. All of these thoughts are not healthy for your mind, for your heart. So what do you do? You grab a hold of the Bible and you begin to read the Bible. And as you read the Bible, what happens? There is a washing of the water by the word of God. And so you read a little bit of the Bible and oh my goodness, Praise God. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you see? It's starting to get a little bit. We're getting rid of all of the junk. And we read some more of the Bible. Lunchtime. I read some more of the Bible. Hallelujah. What happens? My mind is now cleansed and sanctified. And I read some more of the Bible until, praise God, what happens? I have the mind and I have the thoughts of God. That's what the Bible does. That's what the Bible does. That's why it's important. You can read any other book. But this is the only book that's actually going to cause you and me to have our minds transformed. Do you know that it's our thinking that causes us most of the problem? 99% of your problem is right here. In between these two beautiful ears. Whether you have hair or no hair. Long hair or short hair. It's right in between here. The area of the mind. And God sends us help by giving his word. Hallelujah. Can you say praise the Lord? Now, let me just give you a bit of a physiological thing here. Let's look at the brain, the human brain. The human brain has two basic parts to it, all right? It has a right hemisphere, and it has a left hemisphere. And the right hemisphere does certain things, and the left hemisphere does certain things. Alright, so uh, if we look at the left, uh, at the left side of the brain, do we have that one? The left, the left brain, the left brain functions are all of these, analytical, cognitive, methodical, logical, objective, reasoning, critical thinking. All of that comes from which side? The left side of the brain, all, and all of that is, is necessary, alright? The right side of the brain, all right, is different. This is where now the creative is. This is where the prophetic is. This is where the intuitive is. This is where the thoughtful is. This is where the imagination kicks in. Hallelujah. Every one of you has an imagination. Can you say amen? This is where most of you are musical. Not all of you. Some of you are nightingales. Nightingales. Some of us, like me, are gales in the night. We know that. But we can still make a... a, a, What's the scripture? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Okay? That's the musical. That's the emotional side. Now, what's the difference between biblical meditation? To the Jewish mind, meditation involved every part of you. But when we look at Western or Greek meditation... It was mostly concerned with the left side. And so we could, in fact, meditation is probably a wrong word. We could look at the word studying. When you study, and this is where the education system maybe has failed us. I'm not trying to hammer Mrs. Challen here at all. But just saying that in general, Vasu and Nancy Mudley, the education system has focused mainly on the left side hemisphere, causing us. To be analytical, methodical, cognitive, you know, critical, reasoning, where logic kicks in, all of that numbers, arithmetic. There are a lot of schools right now that are leaning towards the abstract, okay? Is the one right or the other one wrong? No. The important thing is this, that in the Jewish mind, when they spoke about meditation, it wasn't a left-sided thing or a right-sided thing. It was encompassing all that you are. You are spirit, soul, and body. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. And then it, said, it went on to say that you shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your might. So to the Jewish mind... Meditation means that I use my left brain, I use my right brain, I use my personality, I use my characteristics, I use my everything, and I allow the Holy Ghost to flow through me. I allow for Him to cause spontaneous thoughts... To alight upon my heart using my right side and my left side. Hallelujah. And through that meditation, what happens? There comes pictures. There comes images. My imagination is employed. And that is how the true biblical idea of meditation comes about. Can you say amen? amen. To meditate means to murmur your murmuring you you're conversing with yourself you are speaking out aloud it means to talk it means to babble it means to communicate it means to mutter it means to roar, roar it means to mourn it's a it's a musical notation hallelujah i don't know whatever that musical notation is i don't know it means to ponder it means to revolve in the mind So when you take a scripture, reading is important and getting the Logos is important. Studying is important, but we ought to go beyond studying to where we now begin to meditate on that scripture. Hallelujah. And we allow both the left side and the right side of the brain to kick in. We allow every part of our beings to be employed by the Holy Ghost. So that he can allow spontaneous thoughts to a light upon our hearts hallelujah and sometimes these come in the form of pictures and images hallelujah and and our imagination is sparked and you'll see in just a minute how important it is in psalm 5 and verse 1 let me show you how important meditation is the bible is full of the word meditation psalm 5 and verse 1 david says give ear to my words O lord consider my meditation Hallelujah Psalm 19 and verse 14 let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight O Lord my strength and my Redeemer Psalm 49 and verse 3 my mouth shall speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall give me understanding Come on, when you begin to meditate, something happens. Meditation is what causes the Logos to become Rhema on the inside of you. If all you're doing is studying and just reading the Word and getting facts, you will never get to your Logos becoming Rhema. Tonight, I'm going to give you seven quick things of what Rhema will do for you. Why it's important that you need to linger and meditate and get that verse swirling in your mind. What are the benefits when Logos becomes Rhema? Hallelujah. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, you better get your Logos to become a Rhema. If you want to win in this life, if you want to overcome in this life, if you want to be victorious in this life, you have to get your Logos to become Rhema. That is how God sends help to you and I. Can you say amen? Psalm 63 and verse 6, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Hallelujah. Psalm 119 verse 97, oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. David said, I go about my day just meditating on your word. Hallelujah. We should have a scripture in our hearts. Wake up in the morning. Get that scripture and throughout our day. Hallelujah. Now, another word for meditate is to ruminate or ruminate. I don't know how you would say that. Ruminate. Uh, uh, What's that? That is when a cow begins to chew the cud, chews grass. Look at this cow. Beautiful cow. All right. What's the the cow doing? Chewing some grass. So it chews the grass it extracts all the juices out of that grass, and then it swallows that grass. The, the grass goes into the stomach. There, it's dissolved with the acids. A couple of hours later, the cow will burp it up, burp up that cud, and it will begin to rechew that grass and begin to squeeze out some more nutrients, mm, got some more out of that blade of grass. Get some more, whatever it is that it needs. And then it swallows that cut. And then about three hours later, again, the cut comes up. It regurgitates the cut. And mm, I think I left some parts out of this side. And begins to rechew that. Gro- I know it sounds gross. But that's exactly what we do with the Word. We take the Word. We ingest the Word. We get all that we can. And then at about 10 o'clock, we're lining up for tea at work. You're thinking about that scripture, oh Lord, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, hallelujah, in the beginning, everything began with God, and you just get that scripture to swirl around, you can use any scripture, hallelujah, Just to begin to think about, think about, uh, you know, like before time was, think about darkness, think about nothing, think about just emptiness, and into that emptiness, God created something, hallelujah. And you're swirling that, that scripture around, and you're saying, God, my situation is as dark as that. My situation is as bleak as that. If you created something out of that darkness, maybe you can create something out of my darkness. And now, suddenly, you begin to form a mental picture. Oh, what would my darkness look like if God began to create this and began to mend this and began to heal this and began to restore? What would my darkened marriage look like if God would step in, hallelujah? What would my life look like right now and begin to, how many of you can see what I'm talking about in this place? Hallelujah. That's how it is. When you begin to meditate in God's Word, can you say amen? Amen. So you're saying, Pastor, do we need to then throw out studying? No, not for the, I'll get into trouble from Mrs. Chalin. Studying is important. I'm not saying for you to get rid of studying. Studying is important. Studying will give you reasoned knowledge. But when you meditate, it gives you revelation knowledge. Hallelujah. Studying is man doing his bit, but when you meditate, it is God doing his bit through you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So do we throw studying out? No. We incorporate studying into our meditation. We take the word and we study the word and we read up the Greek of this and we read up the uh, Hebrew of that and we look up the Strong's, and we look up on the dictionary and, and, and then we allow that scripture now to swirl in our minds. We begin to chew the cud of that scripture and we digest it and then we bring it up about two hours later and we think about it some more and Holy Ghost, come on, use my right brain, use my left brain, use my middle brain. If I have no brain, then don't use you know, no brains at all. Use whatever I got, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But use every part of me because this is how God sends his help to you. He gives you his word. He says, now come on, prove yourself in this. Study and show yourself to be diligent in God's word. But then take the studying and begin to meditate. Why? Because that's when the Logos becomes Rhema. Hallelujah. And when Logos becomes Rhema, something happens on the inside of you. Your spirit man becomes alive. Suddenly now Hebrews 4 and 12 becomes a reality that this word is alive this word is powerful this word is living on the inside of me that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word every rhema that proceeds from the mouth of God can you say amen let's stand up to our feet this morning hallelujah praise God praise God praise God Lift your hands with me right now in this place, in Phoenix, in Hellcrest, in the overflow up in the balcony. Say, Father, I thank you for your word that has come to me today. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word, by the rhema. And today, my Logos shall become rhema, my studying shall become meditation. I will take your word and I will meditate on it and allow the Logos to become Rhema. I refuse today to be conformed to this world, but I will be transformed by the renewing of my mind as I take your word and wash my mind and meditate in your word this morning. I receive it right now. This is your way of sending help. Your word is my help. Your word is my help. Your word is my help. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. With every head bowed, every eye closed this morning, praise God. I don't know where you are today in your walk with God. I don't know where you are this morning in your activity with God. But you know what? He loves you. And we felt His love throughout this whole service. Those of you watching by way of live stream, I still feel His love in this place. In fact, I feel it like a thick, heavy mantle that's upon me this morning. Just feel the love of God. And that love is for you. That love is for those of you that today are saying, John, I'm not sure if I qualify for that love. You see, because X, Y, Z has happened. Things have happened, and I'm not too proud of those things. But I'm not sure if that love is for me. I don't know if I qualify for that love. Now I want to say to you, friend, that you qualify for that love. How do I know? Jesus qualified you. The Bible says that he qualified you to be a partaker. Of all the promises that are in Christ Jesus, that when you, when He hung on that cross, He qualified you. When He died, placed in a tomb, and then rose from the dead, He qualified you. When He took thirty-nine stripes on His back, He qualified you. When they plucked His beard and spat upon Him and punched Him and kicked Him, He qualified you. You've been qualified. The issue right now is, will you receive that qualification? Will you allow God's love to overwhelm you? In this place, in the overflow right now, will you allow God's love to overwhelm you so that you can come to Him as you are and receive grace and mercy and forgiveness with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around before we go? You say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready. I'm ready to receive that love. You say, okay, I did this, but I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about that sin. I'm not talking about that, whatever it is that you did. I'm not talking about that which you think qualifies, disqualifies you. I'm talking about of that which qualifies you. Right now, you say, would you pray for me? Because right now, things are not good. And I'm coming back to God today just as I am, would you pray for me I'll do that, I'm going to count to three every head bowed, every eye closed in the overflow, live streaming Phoenix, Hillcrest, wherever you are you are ready to come back to God up in the balcony, whoever you are doesn't matter, and we're not here to embarrass you, we're not here to look at you and judge you we're here to rejoice with you today, All right, you ready here we go, one two, get ready Three, lift your hand up high. Say, here's my hand. Here's my hand, pastor. I'm coming. I'm coming right now. I'm coming right now. Would you pray for me? Anybody in this place, lift your hand. Up in the balcony, up in the overflow. All right, I see those hands. Those of you that have your hands uplifted, I want everybody right now to pray this prayer. Would you say after me, heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name, just as I am, With all of my faults, all of my failures, I ask you for forgiveness. Thank you for your blood that cleanses me and washes me. I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of my sins. And I'll never be the same. Today, I belong to you. I'm your child, your spirit bears witness with my spirit that I am a child of God, that I belong to the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.